Welcome to the house. We hope this podcast blesses you and encourages you. Enjoy. The boss says unmute, and I guess I unmuted. (laughs) I want to thank you for the privilege and the honor. I've been around a long, long time. Some people in my family think too long. But I apologize from the beginning. I'm going to be looking at my tablet quite a bit tonight because I don't want to get off track. You get me started and I'll go from Genesis to Revelation. And Danny's too cheap to let me go beyond an hour. Father, we thank you for these moments that we can come before you. Lord, not just to partake of your word, to share of your goodness, but Lord, to lift up your name above all names, the King of Kings, our soon coming King. Father, we just just gratefully, with all gratitude, lift up our praise to you right now. And we ask, oh God, as we share your word, it will be something to encourage us, not only through the day, but through the times that are coming, oh God. And again, Father, we thank you for these moments. For this we pray in Jesus' name. One of the most profound statements found in the Bible, and it's short. And it's the foundation, not only of the Bible, but our foundation. And it provides for us the real authority of the account of creation. It talks about the existence of God. And the Bible that's been around for over 2,000 years has got to be authority. And man claims that. Bible is still the number one selling book. <clears throat> so the first four words in the Bible, in the beginning, God. And it may not sound important, and we've all probably read over it dozens and dozens of times, and we run right over it. But it says, in the beginning, God. A lot of people don't want to agree with this. And the Bible has a name for them. And you can read it in Psalms 14.1 and Psalms 53.1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, whether you want to or anybody wants to believe it or not, I do. And I've always used this. Whenever I witness to somebody, I believe what I believe, you believe what you believe. And at the end of the day, I have not lost a thing because I believe in God. And if you don't, then your day of reckoning is coming. And if there is no end of time, I haven't lost anything anyway because I'm having a ball with you guys and I do it every single day. 
The Bible begins with God. And so should we every single day. I used to jump out of bed. Now I kind of roll and fall out. But at first thing I say, God, I am available. My sovereign God, my supreme God. And we all have to understand who he really is in relationship to our humanity. Throughout time, people have opposed God and his plan. The secular world, even the religious world, have disagreed since the beginning of our time. But God is our supreme being. In Hebrews, it's, he's, it's implied he's our strong tower. He's our mighty tower. He's our on, omnipotent, almighty power. And we all need to understand and grasp this. It's not just something that I have said. It's not something that you have read. It's not something that's come from across the pulpit. We all need to understand and grasp God's original plan. He is designed. His created pride. His intent for humanity from the very beginning. And if we don't look into this and we don't understand this, we're going to misread, we're going to misunderstand, we're going to misinterpret his motive and his plan for redemption in a broken, sick world. You read in Genesis, God wanted a companion, someone to love and someone to love him. He didn't want robots. I like robots. And it's been fascinating in my lifetime to see what a robot has developed into. From the little stick man with a three cell battery to a machine now that can think and do things better than man can. And I like robots but I don't love them. We may say we love something, but do we really? I've heard my grandchildren and I've heard my children say, well, I love that. Christmas time, birthdays, I love that. But 20 minutes later, they're playing with the box. So what, what, is, what does love really mean? In Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Remember that verse. Because that verse started out, and that's the result of why we have sin. Why do we have sin? It's a choice. 
Oh, look at all this bad stuff going on throughout history. But we have a choice. Satan had a choice. He didn't do too well. Man had a choice. And you're you're going to say, well, I, I didn't have no choice. I was born here. I never had say so. My parents did everything. <coughs> You've chosen different foods. You've complained about different foods. You've chosen certain drinks. And I won't say this about all of you, but I can say this about my kid. He's chosen certain foolishness. But, you know, hey, none of us are perfect. And we won't go into my history. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What does that mean? God the Father is love. But love can't save. But he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, who paid the ultimate price for our redemption. And following that, we were given the Holy Spirit who intercedes on our behalf, who sticks closer than their brother. And we need to realize that, that we're not alone. We all make the statement, well, you know, we have Jesus Christ within us. We have Jesus Christ about us. But if we want to really think about it, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. But it's the Holy Spirit that's upon us, guiding us, directing us, giving us comfort, rest, security, and helping us to respect and love our belief and each other. In Genesis 1.26, we read about the plurality of God, the Trinity. And he says, let us make man in our image. And he created man in the same manner, body, soul, and spirit in the plurality. And man was given a unique, very unique quality. And I've thought about it. Through, through time I thought well I'd, I would have liked to have been Adam he was given dominion upon the entire garden he was the king he was the ruler he called all the shots and then I got to think what he one of the basic things that he really did was name all the animals I don't know about you, but I, do, I don't want that job. I don't know what I'd call a hippopotamus. I'd have to call him a big fat pig because I have trouble saying hippopotamus. 
But that was an amazing thing. He had he had dominion over the garden and all those animals. Then God comes along in the second chapter and he says, hey, it's not good for man to be alone. And some people say, well, that was a mistake. Adam was happy. And then God had to say, well, how about Eve? But God in Genesis 2.22 created Eve from his rib, from his side. And we won't go into all that about, you know, not above the head, not below your feet, but from your side. And through the years, I got to thinking about that. What does it really mean? Yeah, she's co-equal. She, she has the same authority. But I don't know about you guys or whether you're romantic and protective. And I don't really care because this is what I do. When I walk down the street, I put my arm around her. I don't grab her, you know, bend over and grab her feet or jump up and try to hold her by the top of the head. He created her co-equal and I put my arms around her because I like it and because it's protection. And in Genesis 2.17, we read, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Man's placed in the garden and told, don't touch that tree. And at this point, we're not talking about instant physical death, but it's instant spiritual death, a separation from God. And we all know the story how the sly serpent comes to the woman and the woman gives in to temptation. And all the guys say, yeah, it was her fault. She gave in to temptation and then conned me. Well, if you read the scriptures, God told Adam not to touch the tree. Adam forgot to tell Eve. So ladies, I'm on your side. It's not your fault. In Genesis 3, 5, for God knows that in the day you eat, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God and you will know good and evil. Is that so wrong? to be like God, and I, I I say that with all due respect. I don't make light of it, but is it wrong to be able to know good and evil? We should know good and evil. But knowing something is not the same as complying with something. How many times have we been told, don't touch the stove, you'll get burnt. 
and we have to reach up and touch it several times to make sure we're going to get burnt. Now, this is this probably before your day, but we learned real quick in the summertime, <coughs> don't drink the water that comes out of the hose the first few minutes because it will burn your tonsils. The hot sun baking that water in the hose, let it run for a while before you drink. But do we listen? No. I've had my throat burnt dozens of times. Don't play in the street. Well, in my day, that's what you played. Today, I don't think you have to say that. You can't get to the street. But hopefully, man will learn from his experience quickly. Some do, and unfortunately, some don't. The first result of sin, the Bible says their eyes were opened, and this refers to their conscience and their shame. The reg they recognized that they were naked. And then it refers to their fear, standing before God in that condition. I got to thinking about that for a while. They were in the garden. Nobody talks about fig leaves until after this episode. They weren't ashamed. What brought the shame? They recognized the shame. Personally, me, if I looked like Arnold, maybe I wouldn't have a whole lot of shame. <laughs> but since I looked like Barney Rubble, I'm going to be looking for the biggest fig leaf I could find. You know, we read about Adam and Eve heard God walking in the garden. And they hear God calling out, Adam, where are you? God didn't have to ask where Adam was. God, no. He said, Adam, where are you? He was trying to get Adam to realize where Adam was at. Sin, sin has separated us from God. Man became lost at that point. And it is still God who seeks man today. God knows where you're at. And the same question comes out to us today. Where are you? Do we know where we're at? Where are we? As man began to multiply, the morals and the physical consequences ran rapid. God says, hey, that's enough. I'm going to destroy this earth. We read in, in the sixth chapter of Genesis, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God told Noah what was about to happen, and he gave him the instructions and the blueprints on how to build an ark. And he explained to him why, but Noah didn't understand. But 
he was committed and he for 125 years or 120 years he built this boat and he preached the word of god and the coming judgment the ark was finally complete and noah and his family went into the ark and this is something that caught my, caught me. I never read it before. I never paid attention to it. In Genesis 7:10, and it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. Seven days. Noah preached for 120 years. He built for 120 years. They laughed at him for 120 years. And they never noticed that Noah had disappeared. Chaos then, chaos today. What's gone wrong with us? And I think this concerns us all, all this chaos, this craziness that's happening. Who's wrong? Who's right? Why can't people see and understand? We say that, they say that. Why do they believe as they do? Because people have narrow minds and they're blind. 120 years, 25 years, <clears throat> Noah builds. He stops building, he stops preaching, and nobody noticed this. Well, you could say, well, they didn't care about Noah. And they were tired of listening to him preach. How in the world that these people didn't see the animals coming? They came from all parts of the world. And they couldn't sit. They never noticed them. I don't know about you, but if I, that many animals were in my neighborhood, and crossed my freeway, it would make an impression on me. But they never saw it. They couldn't see, they couldn't understand. Self-centered, blind to the truth. But now God was fulfilling his word. And it began to rain. This gets their attention. It doesn't say it in the Bible, but I, be I bet they began to bang on that ark hollering for Noah, but Noah couldn't do anything for them. And this is my personal opinion. Why didn't they turn and call on God? I want to talk about experiences. I don't want to talk about stories. I don't want to talk about messages or lessons or sermons. I want to talk about experiences. Israel in bondage for 400 years. God comes and takes them out. The Red Sea, manna, quail. God, I'm tired of eating oatmeal and cream of wheat. I want meat. So he gives them quail. Victory over their enemies. Countless miracles. And 
every time they got something, there was an oops. They'd forget how quickly we forget. Moses the man. God told him to speak to the rock. Moses got impatient with the people and he hit the rock. Moses couldn't enter the promised land because of the oops. Lot and Abraham were too big. They had to, to split up their families. Lot went into the valley near the city. But Lot compromised and adapted. We read that as Lot sat by the gate with the city officials. I'm not saying he compromised, but what's he doing sitting with the city officials? Sodom and Gomorrah. Oops. David called out of the fields and anointed as the, as the king of Israel. And he led his kingdom into victory after victory after victory. And yeah, oops for David. Let's talk about this crazy little man, Jonah. The man of God who refused to answer the call and ran. God caught him with a whale and dumped him on the shores of Nineveh. Jonah's mad, not because of the whale ride, but he's, he's, he's forced to go to Nineveh and the people there knew God, but they didn't care anything about God. Jonah gets angry and he goes outside the city to pout. But God shows him. Yes, God's disappointed in the people of Nineveh. But he also has love and compassion on them. And he says, Jonah, you've got to do the same thing. You've got to have love and not just good intentions. We've all been taught. We've all read. And we've done encouraging things for others because that's what we've been taught to do. But without love, because Jonah approached the city in love, the king and 120,000 Ninevites repented. Leaders, prophets throughout the Old Testament went before the chosen people and yet the people couldn't overcome. They were up and down and throughout their journey there were a lot of oops. I've heard people say, well, if I was, I would have been there, I, I could have understood the Red Sea and all the miracles I could understand. I'd believe and I'd trust God. And my question is to that, 
for how long? Do we think we're any better than the children of God? Momentarily self-centered religion. Let's go to the New Testament. Men are chosen by the Lord himself, the disciples. They were with Jesus 24-7 for three years. And yet they had doubts and failures regularly. But Jesus never turned his back on them. Moments of anger and disappointment. But his concern and his love for them was always there. They felt short many, many, many times and in many places. They were angry at Jesus because he paid more attention to the people than he did to the disciples. Mary and Martha at the death of Lazarus were disappointed and were angry at, at Jesus because he, he took his time. And if he would have hurried, Lazarus wouldn't have died. The Samaritan woman at the well. I don't know if you realize how significant this is. Let's say you're in San Diego and you wanted to go to San Francisco. But Southern California was Samaritan country. You had to go to Arizona, Nevada, and across the Northern California to get to San Francisco. You couldn't go through the central part of the state. Jesus says we're going to some to Samaria and he took the disciples and we all know about the woman at the well and he gave her the living water and she accepted it and she goes into town and tells the whole town and they come out and accept the living water that Christ had to offer The disciples sleeping during the storm. The lack of faith. Jesus, why are you sleeping? We're in trouble. Judas, our favorite friend, <clears throat> unfaithful, uncommitted. And my favorite is Peter. The rock who denied Jesus three times. He had his doubts and he had his shame. And then we'll say, well, I'm not like that. I'm aware. I understand. I believe. Is that really a true 100% statement? I don't know if I can say within myself I've had any doubts, but I've had questions. But I have to go back to the, if it wasn't for the love of the, of the Father, knowing that he can't save me, but yet he gave Jesus Christ for the redemption of my sins. And he provided the loving, devoted, 
call and care of the Holy Spirit that leads me and empowers me. If it wasn't for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you would never understand. You wouldn't be able to see. You wouldn't care. And you wouldn't call. God works of restoration in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, in Joel 2, and it shall come to to pass afterward that the, I will pour my spirit. And it happened in Acts 1.8, but you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit is not political, but spiritual empowerment. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, there was no longer any doubt or any fear. They changed not only their own personal lives, but they changed the world. And just as Jesus was anointed at his baptism by the Holy Spirit and the power, and the Father speaks out from heaven and says, you are my beloved son, and I am well pleased. An intimate relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We all have a choice. I'm no angel and I wasn't born that way. My life may not be similar to yours. It may be completely different from yours. But we, we all have a choice. And it's not my DNA or my experience that, that makes my life, but it's my decision. My decision to follow Christ wherever I go and whatever I do. I'm glad for the salvation that he's provided. I have my reservations. And I know that one day I'll be with the Father. I'll be with Jesus Christ. But my concern is about is what about today? If salvation was, was just eternal, I wouldn't be here any longer. I'd be like Enoch, I'd be gone. But I'm here to, to serve Jesus. And I'm here to serve my fellow man. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise up with healing his wings and you shall go out and grow fat like stalled calves. 
to some of you that may sound kind of funny to grow fat like a stalled calf, but what it's saying, he's given us security and prosperity. I was raised on a farm and you hear it on the news or advertising all the time, range chickens. They're not, they're not pinned up. They live out on the range. That's, that's great for us. Well, sometimes it's not so great for the chickens when the fox come around. He's given us protection. He's given us security. The light Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God who died for the world. But do men love him? No, they don't love him. They resent him. Men prefer darkness to having the light. So many creepy things scurry around from the light. The wicked flee from the light. I've said it, and you're probably thinking it and saying it too. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not rich. I'm not famous. I'm not important. I'm not smart. I can't do any of that. Like the disciples or the people of the, of, of the Bible. I spent over 60 years in service for Christ. <clears throat> Through illnesses and rejections, ups and downs. And we won't go into any of that because you're not going to live that long to hear my story. But in 2019, I was told I had cancer. But God gave me a victorious deliverance. In April, Barbara had a massive stroke and God miraculously delivered her. And then Barbara says, well, we've got it, we've had it. That's good enough for us. And then I had to have open heart surgery. I don't know about you guys, but 2020 means absolutely nothing to me. After 2019, I can do anything. The Comforter comes to share with you. Share his experience so that you can share your experience. But I don't know if I can share. Again, I'm not important. I'm not courageous. I'm threatened by the enemy. You, and I'll say it, you people don't know how many lives you have touched. And I hear it every week in your comments. You think you're not special? I'm not special. Barbara calls me her young Mexipino. My mother, a beautiful Mexican girl from 
Colton, California. My father, a handsome Filipino from the Philippine Islands, raised on a farm. My father says, do everything you can to get out of the dirt. So I went to Bible college. That isn't exactly what he was thinking about, but I went to Bible college. Full of enthusiasm, ready to conquer the entire world. Public ministry for over 60 years, involved in every phase of the church. Salvation. I don't want to be Enoch. I've got things to do for you and for everybody around us. I have concerned for my loved ones. My question to you tonight is, do you truly represent the Trinity? Are your feet the extensions of the Father? Are your hands extension of the Father? Is your voice the extension of the Father? God is not a random God. He's not a God of chance. And you have not been randomly chosen. You think about that. And I close with this. Christ makes a reference to remember Lot's wife. There are many, many women throughout the Old Testament that could have been written about. But Jesus picks a lady with no name remember Lot's wife a woman that was forced out of Sodom but Sodom was never forced out of her as she left the city she took the city with her in her heart and we know what happened to her Oops. Don't be afraid to say oops. Oops, by Webster's definition, is a mild apology and a surprise. And oops means nothing to God. So don't be afraid to make a mistake because we learn from our mistakes. Just don't do it again. So many of us here tonight think, well, I'm not important. I can't do anything. Several weeks ago, Heather talked about the awe moments Their moment of salvation was an awe moment, spectacular moment. And I bet we can all say that. And 
I think she said, I, I wish I could have or see or feel more awe moments. I'm waiting for the hearts and the music and the angels. Well, I got news for you, Heather, and everybody else. I hear awe moments every single Wednesday night. And I won't go over them, but just one of them that really just clicks in my mind every week. Vanessa, a young lady, a young Christian, but pours her heart out. That isn't an awe moment. You think Vanessa can do that on her own? On her own? No, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the love of God and the redemption of Jesus Christ that allows her to give those testimonies. And every one of you do it every single week. Yeah, I'd like to hear the harps. I'd like to see the angels. But let's not forget that the Holy Spirit is here on behalf of the Father, and we can have awe moments every single day. We just need to be aware of them, see them. So don't let anybody tell you you're not worthy. The disciples were a failure, but by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they became leaders and conquerors and I don't know about anybody else here tonight but they don't put their sandals on any different than I do so when you go to sleep tonight you think about that whether it's your left foot or your right foot you put your sandals on just like they did and they are no greater than you because their God is your God their father is your father. Their Jesus Christ that they lived with is your Jesus Christ and your joint heirs with him. And the Holy Spirit is right here with us every single moment of our day. And don't be afraid to rely on him and let him lead you and direct you. <laughs>